0: Crime Curious is a true crime podcast that takes an in-depth look into real cases. The content may be triggering or inappropriate for some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Crime Curious. I'm Charnel, and I'm Amber, and we are wrapping up Wiener Schnitzel week. We just I don't know why I said it like that, but we, it was very uh, like it was a little devious. It was. Yeah. Anyway, we like the word Wiener Schnitzel, so I that's do. our theme this week. Simply because we're covering German cases. Did we even look up if Wiener Schnitzel is a German word? Did no, we do that before is. we made it to the theme? It
1: is a it's a it, a hot dog chili cheese place. Awesome! I want to eat there. That's all I know. It's an American fast food chain founded in 1961. They have the world's largest hot dogs. Oh, I think it's the place with the giant oh, hot dog okay. in um on the top. Have you ever seen it with the big? It's like a giant wiener on the yes, top. Yes, I of do the, know. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's apparently in Germany too.
0: Oh,
1: oh, in German schnitzel means cutlets in general not just breaded fried ones schnitzel wiener art is a pounded breaded and fried cutlet that's just even more fun schnitzel wiener art schnitzel wiener art
0: is a pounded meat it's
1: it it is a breaded pounded meat often made of pork and now you guys know
0: That that was our our inspiration. We learned today. We did. Wiener schnitzel is a noun. A noun is... Oh, I don't need to read you what a noun is. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
1: maybe. I mean, maybe a refresher. Ah, shoot. Yeah,
0: okay. Well, I was just curious. But anyway, see, curious, like our show, Crime Curious. There's a
1: variety of schnitzels, uh, pork schnitzels. Yeah, I read that. wiener Schnitzel.
0: yeah, I was reading about the Darwiner Schnitzel. So we are learning all types of things we today. Are. But that was our theme. Just really it's just German cases. So Yeah. That's our and we just think theme, that's fun. We mean no disrespect at of all. Not. So today for you, I have what is called the Hinderkaffic murders. Do you know of them? No, I only know that it's a
1: well known Is it unsolved? It is unsolved. Okay. Yeah.
0: That's unsolved. Kind of It's, quote, unsolved. Gotcha. One of those unsolved. Like
1: the avalanche that um, waxed the person's eyebrows off, solved. (laughs) Right.
0: Okay. (laughs) Yep. So Hinterkaffek is what it's typically called murders. It's their oldest unsolved massacre. Oh wow. Actually. And I just want to tell you about this one book that I found some information not a ton of information but it made me giggle. So one of my sources is literally a book by James Proud called This Book Will Make You Shit Yourself. Oh. <laughs> That might be the best title ever. That one, right now, it's sitting up there on the ledge from the pedestal for me. This book will make Absolutely. you shit yourself. I
1: was hoping if, you were going to say it was sitting up on your coffee table. No,
0: <laughs> no I should buy it. Though. It's actually in my Kindle.
1: Just a centerpiece NBD. It's just yes, laying out. this
0: book will make If I was to ever write a book, I would have an obvious title like that. Oh, for sure. 100%. I could see you titling something yes, in that way. that would be me. So this is the unsolved murder of the Ka- H- excuse me, Hinterkaffic murders of nineteen twenty two. Thank you for Pia for your recommendation. One of our lovely listeners sent yes, this to me. You. And I had actually listened a long time ago, a podcast a, pad, a podcast. A podcast? A a podcast about this. It had forgot about it until Pia brought it up again. I was like, oh, this sounds kind of familiar. And then I realized ah. Dumbass, you've, oh,
1: you've listened to it before. Oh, you've heard
0: it before. I ah, have. So I did a bit of a deep dive here. Now, hinter actually means behind. Okay. So like, you have a sweet hinter. <laughs>
1: Why, thank you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so there's actually not a real place called hinterkaffik. The place was known as Kafik, but interestingly enough, everyone refers to this place as Hinterkaffek, meaning just behind Ka- kafik or Kafik. Just you know, I'm sure I'm putting okay. the emphasis in the wrong place, but interesting. This property is behind what's what's called a little hamlet, which a hamlet is just a small sm- settlement of humans, um, in Kayf- Kaffik. So, since this farm is located behind the little hamlet of mm-hmm. Kaffik, it's referred to as. Hinterkaffek. Okay, I'm following you. The Hinterkaffek farm is a very rural property. It's located about 43 miles or so north of Munich, Germany. Okay. okay. And that's the, like the closest big town. Now, in the 1970s, it's actually no longer cafic. It is now Wadehofen. Ah. Uh-huh. So I found some extra little tidbits. I'm going to tell you who lived on this farm and the, the property of Hintercafic was owned by Mr. and Mrs. Gruber. And there was also, so that is Andreas Gruber, who was 63, Cecilia Gruber, 72, and they had an adult daughter, Victoria Gabriel, who was 35. She was a widower. That's why her last name is not Gruber. Gotcha. So this is actually the Gruber-Gabriel farm. Okay, because Victoria did own a part of it as well once she got married to her um, husband, Carl, Group uh, Gabriel. And also in the house is Victoria's two children. She had Cecilia, who is named after her own mother, mm-hmm. Victoria's own mother. They called her Celie, and she's seven. And then there's Joseph, her son, who was two. And the family also had a maid named Maria Baumgartner. she was 44. I saw it, 45, in some sources, just so you know. I'm just going to let you guys know they were not super well liked in town. Oh. And the town of Kaffik did not really agree with, no, what was going on in Hinter. Oh. Because Andreas was a severely abusive anal fisher. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Did you... (laughs) I need more, please. He, he, um, he's just an anal fisher. That's what he is. Oh wait, those are the little mm-hmm. um, cracks in your anus, right? Sure are. They can get infected. You have to pus them out. Mm-hmm. Puss them out. That's not a thing. You know, you have to squeeze them out. Pus comes out. And yeah, I'm painting excuse a picture. Me, I'm here. crying over. Here. <laughs> that's that's what he is. There's no other way around it. Okay, so we have an anal fissure. We do. (laughs) Infected. An infected anal fissure. Yep, Uh, because he severely beat his children. (laughs) Oh, no. And his wife on the regular. Okay. Uh Uh-huh. And it was actually reported that Victoria, their daughter Victoria, was not their only child. But the other two children that they had did not make it to adulthood because they were physically abused and starved to death by Anal fisher, Andreas. Oh my gosh. Yes. And that's not even the worst of it all. I hope that fisher never heals. It's not gonna. No, it's just a pussy. Gaping open for was, all of eternity. Mm-hmm. Now, you might wonder why, like, okay, then how did Victoria survive? Right? Yeah. Well, what if I told you that the other two children were boys that didn't survive? So, why do you think an anal fisher oh, like Andreas no. would keep his daughter no, around? No, 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 no. Yes. Unfortunately, Andreas sexually abused Victoria very regularly as well. Now, it gets to a point at this point in time in the in the when this case happens, she's 35 years old. They are still having an incestuous relationship. It's probably you all and, she knew. Well, you and I both know too that it becomes a cycle you can fall in love with your abuser. Yes, you can. I don't know. I don't have the information to say that that's what happened here. But it was still going on. I firmly believe he was still forcing himself on her. Yeah. Yeah. So the family kept to themselves. Actually, Andrea was like a recluse. He, I mean, people knew what was going on and not only the sexual abuse, but the physical abuse as well. And they just didn't like him and he didn't like people.
1: And at that time, you probably turned your head and you minded your own business. It's
0: 1922, yeah. Germany. Yeah, that's exactly what you did. I am over him already. Oh yeah, right from the beginning. So that's
1: why I Frickin gave an anal this. fish. Right,
0: I wasn't ready for it. So I was like, "Wait, I need more."
1: Oh wait, was he's that an is, anal fisher. Yeah, like his real
0: name. Yep.
1: <laughs> was he fishing anally? Right. Like I need more, and then it hit me. I didn't what even it was. think about
0: that. Someone who fishes the anus. Luckily, (laughs) I know
1: what a fisher is. So then I put two and two together. It sounds very undesirable.
0: So that's a good name for him. him. So the house was built in 1863 in Hinder, of what became Hindercafen. Okay. And it was single story and shaped like the letter L. Oh. But with the barns and the stables were actually like connected to the house on the bottom part of the letter L, if you can picture what an L looks like in the English language. Gotcha. So this was a big farm and the closest neighbor was like half of a kilometer away. I forgot to look up how in the miles, what that is. I meant to do that too with mine. I was like, crap. Yeah. Sorry. I just typed that in my notes and didn't come back to it. So that neighbor was Lorenz Schlittenborough. He becomes important later. Okay. So let me tell you a little bit about the family. I mentioned that Victoria was a widow. Well, her husband, Carl Gabriel, was a soldier in World War I and he was killed in action in December 1914, only four months after leaving for the war. And actually, he left for the war only four months after marrying
1: uh, Victoria.
0: Gosh, this just sounds like such a harsh time. Eh, (sighs) It really was. To be alive. Yes, agreed. So he did, he married Victoria, but he told Andreas like, you're going to stop engaging in sexual relations with your daughter. Well, Carl is like, I'm sorry, you don't get to tell me who I can have and who I can't. Excuse me, not Carl. Anal Fisher, Andreas, said, said that to Carl. Well, at least Carl's reasonable here. Yeah, yeah. But what he does, Andreas does, is he mistreats Carl. He's physically abusing him. Carl was telling his family and friends that he was often deprived of meals. Oh, my gosh. So just like how he treated his sons, he ends up, just after a few weeks of being married to Victoria, he ends up moving back in with his parents. I don't blame
1: you, Carl. Right.
0: He's starving. Okay. But they made him go back and, and endure it with Victoria because Victoria was the Gruber's only child. So that means that when... Her parents die. The farm will go to Victoria, and then to any children the Victoria and Carl have. Like, and this is a big, this is a big farm. It's a successful farm. They are well off. So they, they just have were money.
1: Freaking. So like- it's
0: like this is this is the Gabriel Gruber farm. Like it's been in the family at this point in time. In, by 1922 for three generations okay like it's it's so a like sought after thing
1: yes do this even though you're going to be living with an anal fissure correct you need to like, like you have suck to figure out
0: how to to do this Ew. and if this means giving your wife to her Ew. father or sharing whatever on, I can't people. even like that makes my anal fissures quiver <laughs> just thinking about that god <laughs> for sure so for sure So what Carl does is he ends up enlisting in the war. Now, I don't know if he was drafted or I don't know if he went voluntarily. I would have been like, pick
1: me. For sure. That
0: he was like,
1: I volunteer
0: as tribute. Frontline. Put me up there. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, I would have chosen that, too. Now, Victoria was pregnant with their daughter. Oh, no. Not another daughter. No, no. Remember, I told you, their daughter, uh, Cecilia, Celie. Mm -hmm, mm That in 1922, when the murders happen, she's living in the house. Mm -hmm. Well, this they got Victoria got pregnant with her um, by Carl. Carl is her father. Mm -hmm. Just before he leaves for he, she was pregnant. He knew she was pregnant. He left for the war four months after they got married. My mind went to like another daughter to perp on by yeah. You know what I mean? And yes, and I don't know that information. That is was found nowhere. You and I, because we know patterns of abuse. You yeah we know what it was like very no. possible, very possible that that was happening. But I found it nowhere. Gotcha. So four months after they're married, he leaves for the war. Four months after he left for the war, he died in action in France, the trenches of France. And it's important that I tell you that he died because later he gets accused of these murders oh. and his comrades are like, no, we he saw in him the war. die. We saw his body and we know he's buried in a, in a war cemetery. So like, stop with that. Oh my gosh.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: So that's a little bit about like what's going on. Bad childhood, lots of sexual abuse, lots of incest. And now we have widowed Victoria. She has this daughter. Celie, uh, they had a maid named Creshance Rager. She was 23 years old. She was hired. And she overheard Andreas telling his daughter that she is his forever and she will not remarry. He also locked her in a closet once when a suitor arrived and asked for her hand in marriage. Now, Creschance Rager saw all of this and she ended up leaving the family after only 10 months of working for the family. And this is why because one time she walked in on Andreas and Victoria engaging in sexual behavior in the hay in the barn. Now, he was raping her. She told the maid afterward that she would not have given in to her father if she had known that the maid was on her way into the barn. Now, the, the maid told the police because incest is illegal, and they were both charged. Now, they were charged for crimes stemming from earlier when victoria would have been 16 there is some inconsistencies in some of the sources that i feel are very reputable good sources they're linked in the show notes there is some some inconsistency into like when because at this point in time she's an adult Mm -hmm. albeit probably not consenting but she's an adult but there were with all the rumors and then what the maid went and told them, they brought charges against them from when Victoria was 16. Gotcha. Okay. okay. So, Andreas was put in jail for a year or made to leave town because I found it in many sources, both ways. Either way, he was he was punished one way or another for it. I don't like for these a year. options. And Victoria was put in jail for one month. Wow. For the... Crime. Wow. Now, they were jailed six months after Carl Gabriel died. So six months after she became a widow, these charges came against them for incest.
1: Giving him the option to roam free is unsettling for me. I
0: know. And so I'm really hoping that it was that he was in jail for a year. But I don't know because, like I said, I saw it multiple places both ways. That he was either forced to leave town for a year. Either way, when they were both done with their sentencing, they both came back to to Oh, okay.
1: And
0: and lived together. As I had mentioned to you at the beginning, when I said who was living in the house, remember I mentioned a two year old son named Joseph. Yes. You might figure out by now if at the time of the murders at 1922, Celia is seven and Joseph is two, then Carl Gabriel could not have been joseph's father yeah that's because victoria after she got released and whatnot she engaged in a relationship with that neighbor uh lorenz that i told you about and now i should also also mention that victoria is a tall slender and pretty woman so she was highly sought after okay in the town lorenz schlittenbauer literally starts hooking up with victoria just Two weeks after his own wife died. Oh. Yeah. We all cope differently. I suppose. So I'm not, I won't shame your grief, man, but, oh, that was a quick move on. It sure was. Once it becomes known that Victoria's pregnant, he asks- Andreas, for his daughter's hand in marriage, like I, I would like to do right by her. Andreas reportedly said, we will see. Now That's
1: better than what I thought he was going to say. Uh,
0: yeah, yep. Here's the problem. When Joseph is born, on the birth certificate, Victoria identifies Lorenz as the father, Schlitzenbarl mm-hmm. as the father. Okay, but Lorenz has doubts that perhaps... Um, That might be your dad's child. So Lorenz confronts Andreas about it. He's like, "Um, hey, you won't let me marry your daughter, but she's claiming that this child is mine, and I think it's yours. So Andrea is like, "Mm, nope, I'm going to go ahead and threaten you with a Sith, which if you don't know what a Sith is, think of the Grim Reaper. (laughs) Yes. You know, the pole with the half circle, oh. the pointy, sharp, stabby of,
1: end. Of all the options he could yep. have, you he know, grabs taken,
0: his Sith. And he threatens Lorenz with this No, you're not marrying my daughter because he does not want his daughter having anyone else but him. Yeah, that makes me feel all sorts of ick. So, uh, of course. So Aunt Victoria ends up. Getting child support from Lorenz. Now, what's interesting is that Lorenz is very well-known in town. He's well-connected. He's a guy's guy. He People respect him. He's not as well-off financially as um, the Gruber-Gabriel clan, uh-huh. but he's not struggling, and he, it's interesting because in one aspect, he completely says, this child is not mine. This is her father's, and then in the other sense, is like, well, that's my son. So it's very, it's kind of strange. Conflicted a little bit. So he does pay the child support. But as soon as he starts paying the child support, Victoria switches the guardianship from Lorenz to her father, which really, really pisses Lorenz off, okay? Because now he can't see his son at all. He's paying for his son, but he can't see him. So, you know... That causes issues, and like I said, he is an influential man. He's well-respected, well-connected, so of course he tells everyone that Joseph was the product of incest and that once he was forced to pay child support, he didn't get to see the child and wasn't allowed to marry Victoria, and he knows that that child is the product of an ancestral relationship so he makes a formal statement to the police about it you
1: know i feel so bad for victoria in this it's like i mean he sounds from what you're telling me like a decent guy and she never had the chance like she was under her father's yeah disgusting yes you know rain rain yep. and she never w- had a chance. No,
0: I'm sure she Most wanted to have a normal right. life. Well, and and I do think so. I'll get to it in a minute. But there Just was, from the brief things that we know.
1: Yeah, I'm sure. But years of that happening, you're probably also in this like unhealthy attachment to you're, your dad. You too. are so mind fucked. Yeah, at that f- point. for sure. There's
0: no escaping. No. Well. And uh, what happens is from his formal statement, Lorenz's formal statement, Andrea is arrested again for incest due to those allegations. Now, however, Victoria begs Lorenz to take it all back and tells him that if she does, he will no longer have to pay child support. Now, other reports say that the Gruber-Gabriel family paid him off. But essentially to me, no matter which way it really went, it's the same thing. Like you either I paid you off by you no longer have to pay me, or we gave you a sum of money. Either yeah. way, it was money that made him take it all back, claim the child was his, and move on with life. So despite the drama that surrounded them, Lorenz and Andreas were a or Andrea were able to maintain a civil relationship for the sake of being neighbors and living in a small town. Okay, supposedly. Okay. Now I'm gonna take you to March nineteen twenty two. They're looking to hire a new maid. The last maid was rumored to leave because she felt the house the house was haunted because she could hear voices coming from the attic and footsteps. But really, what was a couple of sources say that. Like you will find if you just do like a brief lookup of this case, it'll say a maid had just left because they thought the house was haunted because they were hearing voices and footsteps in the attic. But really, that maid actually left because there were two farmhands that were frequently like stealing from the farm, but also just very cruel and were making statements about how they felt the family needed to die. Oh. And this maid felt that she felt unsafe there. She really felt like something was going to happen. She felt unsafe. She might have possibly even mentioned hearing the footsteps in the attic and the voices voices as well, and that compiled with these two farmhands Made her unsettled, so she sure. left, and it just through through the telephone of time, <laughs> things got you know separated and mixed a little in. bit. Yeah, sure. exactly. So,
1: but I, both of those things, uh yeah, I would peace out as well for
0: sure. And honestly, I'm sure Andreas didn't make her feel safe either. I don't know if the maid if she was subjected to his abuse, but you know she saw it happening to her uh, to his family. Oh,
1: yeah, that so, would be hard enough no, in
0: itself. I would not want no. to. Live with an anal fissure, either.
1: No, no one does. No. Was this the same one that that caught them, or was that Mm-mm. that a different maid? It's a different maid, to my understanding. Okay, mm-hmm. they're going through the maids like crazy. Yes, they. But don't, I don't. I mean, wrong. I don't
0: blame these maids. If I would have walked in on that, yeah. See, ya. sorry. Yep. Now some weird things start to happen in the house in March 1922. And we know that these happened because Andreas and Victoria had been telling people around town when they were meeting for various things, you know, gathering supplies, shopping, doing farm uh, exchanges, those sorts of stuff, right? Mm -hmm. So there are two sets of keys to this house. And in March 1922, Andreas is complaining because a set goes missing. A set of keys goes missing. There were also footsteps in the snow. They had a big snowstorm and he walks out and sees that there's footsteps coming from the forest to the house, but not the other way. Okay. And That's no one, chilling. everyone in the house was like, well, hell no, I didn't go out there as a snowstorm. Those are not my footsteps. Like I didn't come from the forest to the house. Then there was a newspaper found in the house that was from Munich. They are. 43 miles away from munich no one's delivering a newspaper 43 miles yeah it is unexplained how it got there he even questioned the postman about it and he was like no i did not deliver a munich newspaper to you and no one in the neighboring none of their neighbors nobody subscribed to this newspaper that was weird victoria and andrea saw a man looking at the house from the woods and this is where the speculation came about whether or not Carl Gabriel had really died because some sources had said that they believed the man was wearing a military uniform or was had some sort of camo military Get up of garb okay. on. yeah. Gotcha. Yep. I don't know if that is true, if they really told people that, but they were telling people around town about this weird these weird events, okay. And they even told Lorenz and Andrea told Lorenz and Lorenz is like, okay, that sounds really scary. Something's up. You need to arm yourself and even offered one of his own guns. It's like that uh, somebody's like watching. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and Andrea like, nope, I'm good. I have my own gun and it's loaded. I'm ready. I know how to protect myself. I don't even know
1: why I feel concerned for him. I just, I just like, <laughs> I know, checked to myself and like, wait, wait Amber, why are on. you, why are you worried about He's him? He's a horrible human, yes. but
0: everyone else in his household is worried right. about them. Yeah. So then on March 30th, the padlock door on the engine room was broken, but nothing was missing. And there was a little bit of snow inside, like someone had walked. There was footprints leading up to the door, and the padlock was broken. The, the barn door was scratched a little bit mm-hmm. from where it had been pried open, and some snow was inside. But there was no one in there, and nothing was missing. So he also mentioned that to Lorenz as well. So... All of these things come up. We know this because of the investigation that happens later. Investigators are like, okay, so this weird stuff's happening in the house prior to mm-hmm. this going on. On March 30th, when he's discovering the padlock is, is busted, Victoria spent the day looking for a new maid and called upon her friend Francesca, who had a 45-year-old sister, Maria, some said 44, so whatever, um, Maria Baumgartner. Now, Maria was deeply religious but also had a slight cognitive impairment and a birth defect that left one of her legs shorter than the other. Okay. So, she she made a good fit for this position because she wasn't really hireable in the eyes of, of the town for many other things.
1: So, her standards were would be lower to work for this crazy family? Right.
0: Exactly. Now, <laughs> Sorry Fran- to say it that way. No, but for sure. There's a lot going on here. There is a lot in this family to unpack. That is for sure. Yeah. I, and Francesca is Maria's sister and accepts the job on her behalf. Like was like, yeah, Maria. She'll take it. Yeah, Maria can absolutely do this. This is a perfect fit for her. Let's pack her up and move her in. So they do. So literally she moves in on March 30th. Okay, Poor, poor Maria. Yeah. That night. Maria and Celie thought that they heard footsteps in the attic, so Andreas checks it out. He finds a bunch of straw, but that's it, which it is peculiar about why straw would be up there. He did not put straw in the attic to insulate it. Like, it seemed as though someone put straw in the attic as either a nesting place or a place to stop the footsteps, footsteps from being heard as easily. So creepy. For sure. Now, I will tell you, so that was March 30th. The crimes are believed to be to have been committed on March 31st. Maria Baumgartner's bags were not even fully unpacked; she had, she had just, just moved into this house. Yeah. Now Seeley attended elementary school in a nearby town. They called it primary school, and it was reported by teachers that on March 31st, 1922, Seeley was so tired at school that day that she fell asleep in class because there was a lot of commotion the night before. She did not mention to her teacher the attic commotion, but said that they spent the night searching for her mother, Victoria, because a fight had happened between Andreas and Victoria. And they actually had feared that Victoria had drowned in a nearby pond, but they find her the next morning, and actually who ends up finding her is these two women were walking into town and found Victoria sitting on a tree stump, crying crying. She was, like, really frenzied and shaken up and crying and saying that she just needed to run away. Oh, wow. So this is this is the part where I'm like, I really feel like she was forced by her father. I don't think that it was a, a situation where she was in love with him and, you know, stayed because she didn't know any better. Yeah. It was, I think, completely forced on her. I would agree. Now the two women are like, okay, it's cold, it's morning, you better, you're cold, you better get back home. So she goes back home. Now on April 1st, that was March 31st that she is, that the morning of March 31st that she's brought back. In March 31st, Celie is in school and fell asleep. Mm -hmm. Okay. April 1st, Celie was absent from school. It was actually a Saturday because she went to school six days a week. Oh, wow. Yes. No, thank you. Yeah, that is rough. Um, and actually, her, Celie being gone from school was not uncommon. She was a pretty, she was prone to illness. So the teacher just said, had the class say a prayer for her health and well being, for her to get better. On that same day, April 1st, two coffee salesmen, that was a thing, and sign me up. Oh, my gosh. Yes. They came knocking to the house. Now, they noticed that they could hear a dog barking in the stables, and they could hear the cattle mooing, but no one was answering the door. There was a, there was, um, a fire coming from the chimney, and it smelled as if it wasn't wood burning. It smelled like uh, clothing was burning. Oh. Mm-hmm. So they're like, someone's home, but why is it so still? It was like eerily still. Now, remember, this is a hustling, bustling, successful farm. On a farm, you are up at the complete-ass crack of dawn. Oh, the very beginning of that crack. Yes, the The tailbone
1: of dawn,
0: Yes, if you will. Right? Without
1: question. Yeah, you are up and working.
0: Yes. They're like, this is very, very weird. On April 2nd, two of Victoria's friends arrive at the home. It's Sunday, and they're there to walk her to church, which was their routine. Victoria was in the church choir, and the family never missed church she never came. So that is like red flag number two. Okay. Uh People start taking notice that the farm is unusually quiet. Like I said, it's a hustling, bustling farm. They can still hear the dog barking and the cow is mooing. Now on Monday, the postman was not greeted as usual and he actually peeked into the window and he saw that the room was empty, but he also could see that the mail hadn't been collected. Oh it was piling up. Yeah, it was starting to pile up. He's like, okay, this this is weird. And they're all like going back into town and talking about this. Like that's odd. Yeah. They don't have -hmm. uh, a small town. Nine AM on Tuesday, April 4th, a mechanic arrives for a scheduled work on an engine. He noticed that it appeared quiet except for the cows mooing and the dog barking. There's no smoke coming from the chimney. And they didn't answer the door, but he's like, "Okay, whatever. I know where the engine room is. I'm just going to go see to my work. He also saw he thought like he saw a figure like way out in the field appearing to be working, which is not unusual either. Mm -hmm. He's a farmhand. Like he's not going to walk out there and be like, hey, what's up? You know, he's doing his job. A uh, mechanic's doing his. You know what I mean? So the lock on the engine room door, as I'd mentioned before, was broken. And there were scrape marks on the wood showing that it had been pried open. He did take note of that. But he's like, okay, well, he took takes the engine, goes to the tool shed, and he works on the engine for four and a half hours. And and no one had came, come and talked to him that whole time. On his way out, he noticed that the barn door that had previously been locked when he arrived was wide open, and now the dog was no longer in the stables, but was tied up by the front door, snarling. Oh, so he's like, okay, someone came home, but that's super weird that no one came up to me to say anything. Yeah, but he's still just like, all right, he leaves, but he goes over to Lorenz, to Lorenz's home, and is like, hey, I noticed, like, this is the weird thing going on mm-hmm. down, you know, down at the Hinderkaffen farm. So Lorenz is concerned. So he's like, you know what? I'm going to send my two sons. They're going to go check it. Check out the neighbors. Mm-hmm. Common, common thing. So they find the entire farmhouse locked and no movement inside. Everything was silent. Which means the dog is no longer by the front door. The barn door is no longer open. It's all locked up.
1: OK, so somebody had been there. Had been. Most there. definitely. There's like activity, but it's super quiet. Yeah.
0: Yep. So what they could hear, though, is that the cows are, like, frantically mooing. And as a farmer, I I can attest to this. There is a much different sound between a hungry cow moo and just a cow moo. Okay. So for them to describe it like the cows were frantically mooing, they knew something is wrong. Okay. They go back and tell Lorenz. He's like, okay, let's grab our two other neighbors, Jacob Zegel and Michael Pell, and we're going to go back and see what's up. So he, they go. The three of them. He he leaves his uh, sons there and just the three of them Mm -hmm. go. They arrive at the house. The house is all locked up. They go into the barn and one, they get one door open, but there's another door leading like towards to this, where the stables are. That one has been propped closed with a beam. So they have to push against it to bust in. Okay, And it's dark. At this point in time, they have flashlights. I'm nervous. Uh, You should be. Okay. Trigger warning from here on out. All right. So they see that the stable has been broken and that a cow has come loose. Okay. So Lorenz is like shuffling through the dark and he tries to like climb over the the, um, beam in the stable, broken stable wall, whatever. He's kind of slipping on hay. Well, he's got the flashlight. All of a sudden, Michael Pell, who doesn't have a flashlight, is shuffling through the dark and says... You need to come over here. There's a foot. Oh, God. Yeah. No. So Lorenz shines his flashlight, and there is, out of the hay, a foot. So he just starts pulling at the foot, and out comes Andrea's gruber. He he is wearing just, like, a, his trousers and a white shirt, his face, is covered in blood. He has a serious head trauma. And so then he just starts, pulling. he can see that there's two other bodies like right below him. These bodies are stacked on top of each other and covered with hay.
1: Oh my God. So he's
0: just pulling on these bodies and Michael and Jacob are like, stop, stop. You, you can't do this. This is a crime scene. Like you need to stop. He wouldn't stop, and he's like, I'm looking for my son. I'm looking for my boy. Oh, no. That is what he says. I need to find my boy. So what? who they find is Victoria, Andreas, and Cecilia, the oldest, and young Celie as well. Oh, no. Yeah. There this was, is horrible. At first, they didn't see her body. Now, I'll tell you about their wounds. That Obviously, pause the story right now of Lorenz frantically- moving these bodies and destroying the crime scene. Yeah. Because he even drags little Seely like, over closer to the door where he can get better light. Okay, he needs to stop. Right. Like, stop it. I, I will say he seemed all too eager to destroy oh, the interesting. Scene, as it seems. Also did not seem to be bothered by touching... Them? These dead bodies of people that he... I was going to say, he just, like,
1: went right to it. And they
0: had horrific trauma. Victoria, their head injuries were consistent with that of a pickaxe. Oh, oh, God. Victoria's were the worst. Her head was, like, completely caved in. But also, she had been strangled. And she had marks, like, on her face and, and skull from a screw, a very distinct, like, star mark that was from the end of a screw, a common screw, okay? Now, Andreas just had a a couple of pickaxe to the head and face. Same with Celia, uh, Celia. Young Celia, though, just had an injury to her neck. And the autopsies that I'll tell you about in just a minute that were performed determined, unfortunately, trigger warning for this as well, that... She did not die right away. Oh, no. She would have been with her dead mother and grandparents, and they found her with hair completely like ripped from her skull in her own hands. So it is believed that she ripped her own hair out from reaction of the pain (gasps) of her wound. Oh that she had that she gosh. didn't initially su- succumb to, which, you know, have you ever tried to transfer pain before? Like if you stub your toe and then you like pound your fist on yeah, the table, like, oh, yeah, oh, oh, what oh, oh. you know what I mean? So it's kind of believed that that was the phenomenon that was going on for her of just transferring the pain elsewhere. But had she sought, had she been able to get medical attention, it's believed she would have lived from her injuries. That is the saddest thing I've ever heard and they speculated that it could have been anywhere between three and five hours i'm sorry 30 minutes to five hours that she could have survived with those injuries
1: did she She just seven did she just lay there with her family like she was probably injured enough to not be able to move move well mm -hmm. and
0: yeah so and then they were piled up Yeah. You know, hay put on top of them. This is so sad. It is. It is. The dog was in the barn, even though the mechanic, like in the stables, barking, even though the mechanic saw it tied up hours earlier in front of the house. And it was barking really aggressively at this point in time. The cows were going nuts. These animals knew. Yeah. And so, plus the smell of blood and then flesh. I mean, this, this is now four days later from the time that they believe the murders happened. Uh, Lorenz tells Michael, feed the cows. Like, we've got to kind of take care of this here. So he does, and then they're going to the house. Now, they go to the back door, and suddenly Lorenz can get into the house. He tells police that the lost key was in the lock, and that's how he got in. He goes in. Now, it's dark. He's never supposedly been in this house before. He's just a neighbor. Like uh-huh. They don't, they weren't okay. a neighbor that they kind of had some drama with. Right. They weren't, he wasn't just like frequently in this house. Now, I don't know where the, I'm assuming it was at his home that the relationship with Victoria took place because Andreas would not have allowed him right. in his home. Right. So he knows his right way around, which was taken note by Jacob and Michael that are with sure. him. Like Suspicious. Like you've yeah, never been in here. Yeah. He immediately finds Joseph in his crib. Now, Joseph just had one head wound right to, like, his face, essentially. Again, pickaxe. And he was covered in one of Victoria's skirts. He was covered up. Then they go into Maria Baumgartner's bedroom, and they see she's got one shoe on, one shoe off, sticking out from underneath a duvet cover. And she had, like, a crisscross head wound, so it was, like, hit on one side of the head, then hit on the other. Oh, God. Um, and it is believed that the killer was left handed because a majority of the wounds were on the right side, which Lorenz is left handed. a lefty. Just throwing that out there. Um, so the baby was killed too? The baby was killed oh my too. Oh, gosh. The whole family. The- six people in total. Wow. So he instructs, at this point in time, Lorenz instructs Michael and Jacob. To go into town, spread the word, get police. While he's going to stay and look after the livestock. Oh. So he stays with all of these dead bodies. And the town freaking shows up. Then, before the police. I mean, Holy think about cow. the time here, okay? They don't just have a police officer right, waiting, right. you know, in in this little so hamlet. So the town's like, word. Right. The whole, like, hamlet comes Trampling all over the crime scene in some reports. Oh, yikes. Some people were grabbing snacks out of the refrigerator. <gasps> Stop it. No, I am not even kidding you. Now, this family wasn't like super well-liked, so no one's like super heartbroken, which is sad. But they're trampling all over. Even worse, Lorenz is like giving a tour. He's showing everyone what he found, where he found them. Oh my gosh, this sounds like more of like
1: a thrilling excitement for them than a tragedy of any kind. And
0: Jacob and Michael are appalled by the way Lorenz is acting this entire time. Gotcha. And it is noted in the investigation by the investigators that he seemed excited and his behavior is suspicious. They do note that.
1: Good so, because it
0: really appears and there were a lot of people that were like you need to stop this is a crime scene we have to wait for the police and he's like no they're 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 already here he told some people they're already here they've already seen it that was not true because the police could not arrive until 130 a.m but it was so dark and so late that they slept at the mayor's house until first light. Oh my gosh. So then they get there at 5.30 a.m. to find Lorenz still watching over the farm and livestock. He never went home. That's really odd. And he's so just he's hanging just out with, with the these bodies. bodies that he doesn't seem to mind at all. Now, um, they could tell that someone had lived there after the murders took place. Okay. There was some fresh meat hanging in the cellar that had been like shaved off from. Mm hmm. Um, There were loose ceiling tiles in the roof that led outside. And from that spot, you could view the entire farm and courtyard. You could watch people coming and going. All the breadstock was gone through the family. And food was found in the barn with human excrement as well. So like someone's living. Eating and and shitting shitting. in the barn. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, this is so creepy. Now the only money that was gone was from Victoria's purse, And remember, she's the only one that had strangulation marks as well, which is a very personal Mm -hmm. way to die. She also had um, a watch and a bunch of papers in her room like strewn about. The watch is just laying there, a valuable watch. As a matter of fact, all the valuables in the home were left. Lots of jewelry, lots of of, um, valuable items. Interestingly enough, days before the murder, Victoria drained her bank account and she made a large deposit of 700 marks to the church and she tried to do it anonymously but they like they knew they somehow I cannot remember how they figured it out I think it was the writing that was on it or something like that that they were like this was you wasn't it and then she was like yes that that is me Hmm. yeah so the other money that she had withdrawn was gone from her purse because they knew how much, you know, she had in her bank account, seven, minus the 700 marks. Any so, reason? Like what But was there the... was other money stolen, or excuse me, not stolen, but there was other money in the house. It wasn't a lot. It was like five marks or something like that. But it was there. It wasn't taken. Mm-hmm. Only thing, the only person stolen from was Victoria. They also found a pickaxe next to the staples. It had like a couple of drippings of brown spots that at, in 1922 was presumed to be blood. And it was actually Lorenz himself who offered the explanation that, you know what? I bet the cow lick and dog licked the blood off. That's why there's not... A, a How pic- helpful the, of you, the Lorenz. The pickaxe has to be the murder weapon because, look, I mean, there's some brown drops on here, and I bet they licked the rest off. They put two barn doors together to do the autopsies on, which I thought was just weird. I forgot to make note of the doctor who did the, um, the autopsy... Or, or you know, did uh, examined their bodies and everything. So I apologize for that because I meant to come in and do that. But I mean, you guys, we've know had it's another and chicken coops. We've had right. That's true. <laughs> it's another German name that I probably would butcher anyway. So. Yeah. I mean, we'll call I him guess... Liechtenstein. I don't know. That but, works. I yeah. like it. So the the um, doctor did estimate that they were killed between eight and eleven p.m. on March thirty first, nineteen twenty two. And they believed that they were lured to the barn by the cow getting out. Because I remember I told you that there was a stable that was broken and a cow was loose in the barn. Yes, yes. So they think that that's what the person did to lure Andreas first out. Then when he didn't come back in, of course, his wife, Celia, would go out. And look for him. Get murdered. Then possibly Victoria or Victoria sent Celia out either way but uh, either way when people weren't coming back that's more how people the, went more people went to look because if they had all went into the barn together some could have escaped sure i will i, mean, I it was crossing my mind like this is a big it's murder it's a for, lot of people right uh-huh. yes one at a time makes way more sense then you go into the house get the maid and then the baby so that is their theory of how it's possible that one to two people could have handled all mm-hmm. six of these murders. I mean, it makes sense. In the autopsy, I mean, I'm sure it's not a surprise they did confirm that they all died of blunt force trauma to the head, right? But they became so desperate to find more information in this case that they actually sent all of the victims' heads...
1: No, 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 no.
0: ...to a clairvoyant. Oh, my God.
1: I wasn't prepared for this.
0: I know, me neither. This case has like, a lot... The actual heads. uh, The actual heads. Not for some sort of scientific examination to provide more information on maybe the murder weapon, time of death, anything like that. No, it was simply, we're out of options here. We have no leads, we think. And so tell us what's going to, what happened. We got to call Miss Cleo here. Yes. And so what happens, the only thing like viable that comes from that is that one of them that handled the skulls said, there are two murderers and the murder weapon is hidden in the house. That's all that really. That's all they got. Came from that. Yep. Celie and Joseph were both, they were the only two actually in their pajamas. So they feel like that, that kind of narrows down the time frame too of between eight and 11 of like they were, the younger kids were fixing to go to Aww, bed, but the adults yeah. were not there yet. Obviously, they don't change into their pajamas right when they get home like I do, but this was 1922. (laughs) right? So they interview over a hundred people, a hundred people, Amber, and come up with nothing. Many believe that it was Lorenz, but here's what happens. There's one guy in town calling Lorenz the Hinterkaffen Killer, and he sued him for defamation. Oh, wow. Then he puts out a notice in the local newspaper threatening to sue anyone that who dare him. accuse him. Oh, wow. But, it, but That's the, what, over the top. I would think, right? Right there, it's a little suspicious. Like, I'm going to clear
1: Kay. myself by saying I will sue you right. if you
0: accuse me. Right. It should be noted that just days before the murders, Loren's new wife, because he did, when he couldn't marry Victoria, he married somebody else, had given birth and the baby had died. Then Lorenz went MIA. So his family, Lorenz's family, is like, we don't know where he was the days leading up to the crimes. Hmm. So could he have been living in the attic of the home watching the family? Absolutely. Because he is unaccounted for. Wow. Yeah. Another reason why people are going around saying, yeah, we think it was Lorenz. And he's like, you know what? Add I will in the paper. sue you. Yes. <laughs> Oh my gosh. So I think we can, like to go through this, I like how the investigators are like, oh, we just didn't have enough to go on because the investigators are saying he had no motive. I think he's the only one in the case that does have a motive. Really? Yeah. So he acted strange at the crime scene. He knew the layout of the homestead, the location of things like the animal's food. That's the other thing because he told Michael to go feed... The, the cows and knew where Andrea kept all of his animal food. Yeah. For somebody that hadn't been at the farm. Right. Or- but somebody had been taking care of those animals for four days. Remember, they're fine, essentially. Right. right. So I would, I mean, his motive is kind of obvious. It was believed, he was believed to be the father of Victor, of Joseph, but as I think we know, he's actually thinking, nope this baby that you're making me pay for, had made me pay for, and then cut off ties with with me, all of that is actually your father's. Um, Interestingly enough, like a year later, his entire house catches on fire. No one was harmed, but it destroyed everything, including all the notes and papers that he had on the paternity of Joseph. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Now, he wasn't convicted because... His stance was he was asthmatic, so it, he wouldn't have been physically capable of beating six people to death with a pickaxe, um, but, I mean, I, asthma has its varying degrees, and I, I really think that one blow with a pickaxe, you're probably down for the count and easier prey at that point in time, don't yeah, you think? Yeah, I would think so. Other thing is, is that he told the police right off the bat that the Gabriel uh, Gruber people family had a ton of money just hidden in their house and they couldn't find any of it except for like five marks. Okay. So he's like, see, it was a robbery, Mm. but he's the one that planted that motive. There is no, there's no way to say that they had any money in the house. What they do know of is how much she, Victoria withdrew just days before from her bank account, 700 marks went to the church and the other amount from her total balance of the bank account was gone. That's so odd to me that she did that just before. Like, yes, and remember, she was found on the tree stump the morning of yes. the murder. Like, did she crying, know this was going to happen? Distraught, something. I just think she knew that something, and she told those women that she just needed to run away.
1: I think she definitely knew something, mm-hmm. and then the odd—perhaps like, the she fighting. did try to
0: run away, and that started. I don't. I don't know. Two thieves had stole from the property often and were fired. Remember the two um, hands that I told you about that made that maid uncomfortable that said the, you know, that they needed to die, the family needed to die or whatever? Because nobody, like, like, Andreas was an asshole. Nobody liked him. So they were thought to be suspects at first, but they actually had an alibi. They were drinking that night in a pub many miles away. That was confirmed by other people. Okay. Gotcha. (laughs) So basically, guys... We don't know who there. this remained unsolved, unsolved.
1: So this no one was ever convicted in this case.
0: No, I will say the two thieves, some people were saying like, oh, suddenly they're spending money like they stole, like they had, you know, come into some money all of a sudden. But that's when the rumors were going around that there was a ton of money in the house. To me, it is possible that Lorenz stole the money out of Victoria's purse and like gave it or planted it or something to those people to uh-huh. try to make it look like them too. Maybe. I don't know. Wow. But there was a fight over the property, and this is just such a horrible detail, but because Celie was the last one alive, and they know that because of her her wounds were not fatal at first, the Gabriel side of the family came forward and was like, actually, in those moments, in that 30 minutes to five hours, Celie was the heir. She's the last known heir to the farm. So she's a Gabriel. That farm is ours now. And the Gruber side of the family is like, "No, Victoria owned that farm with her parents." Like she is What a that's a quite a stretch uh, to argue. Yes. That, yes. You know, the child was the heir like So what ends up happening is the Gabriels buy it off of the Grubers for like three million marks, something like that. I don't think that's the same that it means. I mean, I know it's not the same as it is in our dollars, but they did buy it off from the Gabriels, bought it off of the Grubers. And then a year after the crime, like the town and the family could not stand to see this house anymore. I was going to say who
1: would want it after. Right. No, they
0: tore it down. So they tear down the house and they put up a memorial they also buried everybody without their heads in the same grave Wait so this poor maid Maria Baumgartner was in with the family is in with the family she'd only spent two night one and a half nights with them oh the poor maid had nothing to do with like any why of them they were all buried together and it was the adults flanking on each end of the with the children in the middle oh my but gosh. Not, I, but they're headless because their skulls that were sent to the psychics, they got destroyed in World War II because that area was bombed. Oh my
1: gosh!
0: So they're resting in pieces. They there really is, are.
1: It's so horrible. They didn't think to get the heads back immediately, huh?
0: No, they didn't. Like give we'll them just back.
1: leave these with they you. Sent,
0: well, they sent them later when when the case ran cold and dry. Oh my goodness. They, Wow. Took So their heads. the heads were lost. Yes. Like six heads just out there. I can't. I can't like, with this what case. What's wrong with this? Oh, this case is so
1: chaotic. It is. Poor Maria with her short leg and her cognitive and now, impairment. And she's just like, I buried? didn't even say yes to this job. Well, sure.
0: Francesca. Yeah, told Thank you, people. Francesca. Thanks, Franny. Oh, Maria will do it, right? I feel bad for her. Absolutely. You know, if my sister's listening, don't volunteer me for <laughs> shit. Because this, this, is what could happen? Now oh, she's buried forever with the with family. This family. But there is a memorial set up where they're buried as well, and it has very nice words. they're pretty memorials where the house is and where they're buried. But I just felt like, I felt like she really got the raw end of every. Part of absolutely life. My gosh. When they tore that house down, Amber, they found a loose floorboard next to the fireplace that had a mattock in it. Okay. Which is a primitive type of pointy. Um, That's like correct um, thing. Correct. I do believe that it's also used to like cut large amounts of foliage and things like that from I, what I read. But it was made by Andrea him, himself, and there was a screw at the end of it,
1: and that was on her face. It
0: matched the 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 um star shape at the end of that screw matched the markings on her face and head exactly wow that it had blood on it. That was the murder weapon.
1: Oh my gosh! Then see the heads were it was not all
0: uh, lost right with those deliveries and so then the in the barn portion of the home they found four loose floorboards that were just above the stairs okay with a bunch of hay in it like someone had been living there and a bloodied shoe yes there was also a a, like a bit of a bloody piece of clothing, if I remember right, as well. But that's the only clothing that they found. They do believe that, you know when those salesmen, the coffee salesmen, felt they like they the, could smell. Yeah. Clo- they believed that the person was
1: burning, was burning the clo- their clothes. Because okay, mm-hmm. they would have been
0: a mess. Blood splatter would have been everywhere. For sure. Now, the investigators are like, we did a damn good sweep of that house. Those items were not there. We believe that the person returned well after the investigation had calmed down and planted the put the murder weapon back and put the the bloody shoe and whatever loose floorboards I don't know but it could also be that they're just patting themselves on the back and think they did a better job than they sure. really did. It sounds like the whole thing was chaos when they yes. got there. So then in 1971 a woman named Teresa came forward and claimed that two brothers, her two brothers named Carl and Andreas as well committed the murders. She claimed this from overhearing a visit to her mother when she was 12 years old. She's like, I was 12 years old and I, my mother said that Carl and Andrea were responsible wow. for committing the murders. The mother later committed suicide by building a basically like a little fire pit in her kitchen sitting in the middle of it, and setting it on fire. That's how she committed suicide. Why of all the things would you want to do that to yourself? She suffered from mental illness, and they dismissed this due to the lack of evidence and no connection between the men in the family and the mom's mental illness. Yeah. Wow. But then, in 2007, now remember, you talked about in your case how in 2007, Germany started working on cold cases again. Yeah. Yeah. They... Worked. On, this was a huge, huge case in Germany at the time. Now they were using modern day forensics, just like they were in yours, mm-hmm. on the murder weapon that they had. They narrowed down their conclusions to the most likely suspect, but they have purposely not made that information public because they aren't a hundred percent sure. And all of the people that they that could be the suspects are deceased and so out of respect for their family and their family needing to move forward oh. they are not releasing the names I mean I get it and I will say that Lorenz's daughter I think it was in 2011 don't quote me on that but it was in the 2000s anyway she was quoted in the media as saying that her family her whole life was, completely oppressed and ostracized because of her father being accused of these murders. So even after his death, which he died in 1941, I believe. And so even after his death, they were still like poo-pooing the family. Oh, wow. So So I get why they don't want to. That makes me believe even more that Forensic may have shown that it was Lorenz. But they don't want his family, like he's gone, so they don't want his family to, suffer. Yeah, sure. to continue to suffer more than they already have for the sins of the father. So they know who did it. They just they don't want to tell. A very strong through DNA forensics, yes, but they are not going to release it to the public out of respect wow. for the family because that person is, uh, the suspects are dead. Sure. It almost sounds like they have more than one because they were, it said, suspects. So, wow, gosh, I want to know who it is. Yeah. So that is the story of the unsolved. It is po- possibly w- really sounds like it is solved, but they're not willing to let the public know. That's kind of what it sounds like. Hinterkaffek murders in Germany.
1: Wow. That is just crazy. Isn't it? Everything that happened. I mean, obviously this was like. This was even for the time, like definitely carefully planned out. Like somebody was watching and planning this.
0: I I feel like. I agree. And maybe a couple people. I agree. They had access to those tiles that were loose in the ceiling that went down into the attic. So they literally could be like on the roof, get into the attic. The, yeah, there was loose floorboards that they were heard above the stairs. Up there. Like exact, yeah, exactly. The what was thought to be ghosts or whatnot and voices. That's the other thing. If it was one person, why would the maid, the previous maid, had heard voices in the attic? Mm-hmm. I do think that it was possibly two people, and it yeah. sounds like the forensics maybe narrowed it down to two people. I do think that it's very possible that Lorenz, I mean, like I said, he was an influential person, and if he promised money to someone else, yeah, he had a motive. I mean, he was definitely sure.
1: acting suspicious, and yes. knowing where everything was, and being and, completely okay with the but bodies. But not being in
0: check, I mean, Jacob and Michael, the, their reaction to dead bodies, uh, it was appropriate. Yeah. Like, I don't want to touch that, oh my god, I want out of here, I need, and you're just like, pulling, pulling them. them and then bringing the town in to see them i don't know that almost seems like pride like let me watch over my work mm-hmm. here i don't yeah, know let
1: me watch over it and let me tamper with this whole 100
0: immediately yeah and just make it because that was like his I'm priority just, like get the town yes you know I'm charismatic of and then know. showing
1: everything off yes. and-, and
0: this was I, I'm looking for my son, but most of the time you don't claim he is your son, right? You you know you claim it's Andre, Andrea's, so yeah. I there's a high, lots of suspicion
1: there. Did he do it alone? I don't. There had to have been somebody. Helping. I I
0: agree. I think so too. But oh my goodness! Yeah, isn't that a crazy one? Who knew that Wiener Wiener Schnitzel Week would bring us to two so such much. crazy Germany yes. cases? Yes, what a what a week! You guys got a lot going on,
1: F- for sure. That's a that case is just really bizarre. So you know what I think I'm going
0: to do for my brain bath? Do I, tell. I think that I would love to show our listeners how great it is to be a Patreon. Oh, okay. what do you say? Because we just recorded last night a brain bath only episode. Yes we did. Because right? that's what that's what we do. That's one of the extras that you get if you're a Patreon. What do you say that during editing why don't I just pop in a couple of good stories from that brain bath Only episode so that our lovely listeners can hear the wonderful extras they could get if they became a Patreon. You know what throw in a couple snippets. Let's so that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to dub in. You guys are going to get a little inside look at what it's like to be a Patreon. And it's our spooky season gift to you because, you know. Mm.
1: You are welcome, people. It,
0: it is the season of giving. <laughs> yes, it is. Halloween. It <laughs> is <can>, the season. <laughs> tis the season to give the frights and shits. Yes. Yeah, so. We, we've got anal
1: fissures and we've got yeah. frights and shit. We do. Happy Halloween, everyone!
0: Yes, yes. Follow us for for yeah, more. For more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know our That's brain done. bath our brain bath only episodes are available for our keeping it curious members. That's mm-hmm. just ten dollars a month, and um, it helps keep us. We are so appreciative of our patreons because it helps keep us on the air and able to pay for all of our our research costs and our equipment costs and our website and just distribution costs every month. So, yeah, we just sincerely appreciate it. And I just thought, let's let the world know what it's like to be a Patreon for a minute. Let's do it. We hope you guys enjoy that. And keep it curious, guys. So, for real. Yeah. Welcome, Patreons, to Welcome. your...
1: Welcome. Oh, sorry, I just cut you off of my song.
0: Christ. Still trying to get a record deal over here. <laughs> Anyway, let, carry on. Let me fucking introduce myself. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, I'm now, And I'm Amber. <laughs> <laughs> There's Mariah so, Carey over yeah, there. My
1: former idol, actually. Oh, of course. A little fact about me.
0: I could see it. I could see it. I, I too, loved her. And this is your brain bath only episode, hence our complete unprofessionalism oh, yeah. from the right from we're the We're excited. The get-go. We have we good are. ones. Okay. And you guys have to know because we always like include you in our friendship, I feel like. When we have funny text messages, we post it to you, all that stuff. But today, when we scheduled to record this morning, we did not know what the other person's brain baths were. Yeah. And we have a theme. Totally on accident. Further proving that we were twins in someone's womb somewhere. And, uh, no questions asked. <sighs> and it, we sh- so maybe much. share the
1: same brain. I don't know. I
0: think so. because there's And there's so many times where we go to text each other the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's so weird. It's where we are... Weirdly one with the universe. As a matter of fact, Facebook even tried to get you to log into my I know account. I
1: have your profile on it's my... so weird. Facebook doesn't even know who. It's is like, who. I don't know who you are, but here's Charnel's in case that's who you are today. Right. So. And I'm
0: waiting for it to ask you, are you married to Matt? You know? I mean, it just... It, you know? You just go ahead and say yes. Okay. I feel like you... <laughs> You know enough about it. Surprise,
1: Matt, I'm moving into. That's
0: right. We have a king-size bed. There's plenty of room. It's fine. (laughs) Also, the dogs. And I was just going (laughs) to say the dogs, too. Take So many dogs. So much room. (laughs) (laughs) Four dogs, three people, and we still wouldn't touch. (laughs) I love it. Oh, God. Okay. So, why don't you start? You start. Actually, wait. Well, which one comes first? Maybe I should start. I think you should start. And then- Then we move on to yours. Yes. So so what I had done, you guys, is I started looking up funny obituaries. So I'm bringing that to the table Mm -hmm. today only to find out that my lovely co-host is bringing us funny funeral
1: funeral stories. stories.
0: They fit so well. So they really do. So I guess the obituary comes before the funeral. So I'll just go ahead. seems appropriate for you to go first. And start. Let's see here. I'm sorry about my scrolling. There we go. This is a funny one for William Ziegler, written by his kids. William Ziegler passed away on July 29, 2016, at the age of 69, quote, to avoid having to make a decision in the pending presidential election. Oh, God. <laughs> yes. So here's the full obituary. William Ziegler escaped his this mortal realm on Friday... July 29, 2016, at the age of 69. We think he did it on purpose to avoid having to make a decision in the pending presidential election. I want to be a part of this family. <laughs> he leaves behind four children, five grand- grandchildren, and the potted meat industry, for which he was an unofficial spokesperson until dietary restrictions forced him to eat real food. I love love this. William volunteered for service in the United States Navy at the ripe old age of 17 and immediately realized he didn't much enjoy being bossed around. He only stuck it out for one war. Before his discharge, however, the government exchanged numerous ribbons and medals for various honorable acts. Upon his return to the city of New Orleans in 1971, thinking it best to keep an eye on him, government officials hired William as a fireman. (laughs) <laughs> this that, is great I, I love this and I, wha- I'm i reading the whole thing so that we can like pay tribute to him yeah. too as a person after 25 years he suddenly realized that running away from burning, burning buildings made more sense than running toward them he promptly retired looking back William stated that there was no better group of morons and mental patients than those he had the privilege of serving with except Bob he, <laughs> he never liked you Bob <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. And I just want y'all to know, if my family and Amber, it's on record in the universe now, if my family does not write me a kick-ass obituary, oh my gosh. you publish one for me, girlfriend. Oh, I've got okay? you. This is the Mine best. Mine better be funny. Uh, So... Following his wishes, there will not be a service, but well-wishers are encouraged to write a note of farewell on a Schaeffler light beer can and drink in (laughs) his honor. I love that. He was never one for sentiment or religiosity. But he wanted you to know that if he owes you a beer, and if you can find him in heaven, he will gladly allow you to buy him another. (laughs) He can likely be found forwarding tasteless internet jokes. Check your spam folder, but don't open these at work. (laughs) Expect to find an alcoholic dog named Judge passed out at his feet. Unlike previous times, this is not a ploy to avoid creditors or old girlfriends. <laughs> he assures us that he is gone. He will be greatly missed.
1: That is the best.
0: Isn't that so crazy? Oh, my
1: gosh. What a great tribute, but with a twist of for some sure. humor. For sure, and it gets
0: all the right information in there. Yes. And, yep. mm-hmm. I love it. So this one is for Mary Pat Stocks, and it was written by her son. So the full obituary is, Pat Stocks, 94, passed away peacefully at her home in bed July 1st, 2015. It is believed it was caused from carrying her oxygen tank up the long flight of stairs to her bedroom that made her heart give out. Oh, God. And then this just (gasps) kills me. She left behind a hell of a lot of stuff to her daughter and sons who have no idea what to do with it. (laughs) This woman was 94, so I just love this. So if you're looking for two extremely large TVs from the 90s, a large ceramic stork, we think, umbrella cane stand, a toaster oven, slightly used, or even a 2001 Oldsmobile with a spoiler, she loved putting the pedal to the metal, with only 71,000 miles on it and a thousand tools that we aren't sure what they're used for, (laughs) you should wait the appropriate amount of time to get in touch. Tomorrow would be fine. Oh, my gosh. This is not an ad for a pawn shop, but an obituary for a great woman, mother, grandmother, and great-grandmother born on May 12, 1921 in Toronto. The daughter of the late pop, Alexander C., and granny, Annie Nye, Morris, she leaves behind a very dysfunctional family that she was very proud of. (laughs) That's great. Pat was world-renowned for her lack of patience not holding back her opinion and a knack for telling it like it is. She always told you the truth, even if it wasn't what you wanted to hear. It was the school of hard knocks, and yes, we were told many times how she had to walk for a mile in a blizzard to get to school, so suck it up. What she said <laughs> she was genuine, oh, well, With that said, she was genuine to a fault, a pussycat at heart, or lion, and yet she sugarcoated nothing. Her extensive vocabulary was more than highly proficient in knowing more curse words than most people learned in a lifetime. She liked four-letter words. As much as she loved her rock garden, and trust us, she loved to weed that rock garden with <laughs> us as her helpers when child labor was legal, or so we were told. Those words of encouragement, wisdom, and sometimes comfort kept us in line, taught us the school of hard knocks, and gave us something to pass down to our children. Everyone always knew where you stood with her. She liked you or she didn't. It was black or white. As her children, we're still trying to figure out which, which, which one it was for us. <laughs> she was a master cook in the kitchen. She believed in overcooking any, everything until it chewed like rubber so you would never get sick because all germs would be nuked. Freezing germs also worked. So by Friday, our school sandwiches were hard and chewy but totally germ-free. All four of us learned to use a napkin. You would pretend to cough, spit the food into it, and thus was born the Stocks Diet. If anyone would like a copy for her homemade gravy, we would suggest you don't. (laughs) Oh, gosh. She will be sorely missed and survived by her brother George, children Shauna, Paul and Sandy, and Kurt and son-in-law, Miles, and son from another mother, John McCreary. Then they list her grandchildren, Leslie, Lindsay, Ashley, David, Brett, Aaron, Sean, Alex, Courtney, Taylor, and great-grandchildren, Connor, Emily, Ansley, Tyler, and Jack. She was preceded in death by her loving husband, Paul, Moo, Stocks, and eldest daughter, Shelly, Stocks, and beloved pets, Tag, 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 and Tag. (laughs) All whom she loved dearly and will never forget her tenacity, wit, charm, grace, and undying love and caring for them. Isn't that cute? That is so good. I I love love these. Tag, 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 (laughs) tag, and tag. (laughs) (laughs) These are incredible. Isn't that great? I I am like... Just loving looking up. I didn't realize there were so many I funny lo- obituaries. Same. Like, why aren't we doing like doing this? They're always
1: so heavy and you know very serious. Mm-hmm. And this, I feel like these kind of capture who the person really was yeah, with some humor. I absolutely. like it. Absolutely.
0: So this last one for you was, let's see, what is this man's name? Because I don't. Okay. The full obituary reads, James Jim Groth made his last wildly inappropriate and probably sarcastic comment on July 28th. Jim was born and immediately dubbed our favorite child to John and Joan Groth in March 1963. Their constant love, support, caring, love, support, and caring far exceeded anything Jim deserved. He is survived by his wife of 25 years and recently wealthy wealthy and overly devoted Julie and his proudest accomplishments, sons Brandon, John, Blake, and Brett. So I love how he's like, here's his wife. She's recently wealthy, probably from my insurance (laughs) payouts. (laughs) Additionally, he is survived by his much older sister, Lisa Dickman, of Why the Hell Did You Live There, Rhode Island? And younger brother John Groth of West Palm Beach, Florida. Jim's demise will now allow them to emerge from his shadow. A variety of nieces and nephews with mediocre upbringing would complete the list of those left to embellish his memory. I, I love it. Jim's employment history was standard. College recruiter, oyster shucker, YMCA executive director for the past 16 years and industrial construction project manager. He had two basic philosophies regarding work. Careers are for the unimaginative and surround yourself with great people and stay the hell out of their way. His 30-plus years as a volunteer soccer coach from the kindergarten to high school level afforded hundreds of children and parents exposure to Jim's unique personality. Mm -hmm. Half a a dozen or so of those folks might speak fondly if pressed. (laughs) Jim died knowing that Mighty Python and the Holy Grail was the best movie ever, Bruce Springsteen, best recording artist, Clint Eastwood, the baddest man on the planet, and that chicks dig El Camino's. His (laughs) regrets were few but include eating a rochisserie hot dog from a convenience store in the summer of 2012. Okay, I
1: feel I feel him on that one. Amen,
0: Jim, we've all been there.
1: <laughs> oh, that's so good.
0: Not training his faithful dog Rita to detect cancer, and that no video evidence exists of his prowess on the soccer field or in the bedroom. So those are his only regrets. I'd say he was doing pretty well. Uh Although a less than average lifespan, Jim did not live an average life. He traveled where he wanted to travel, laughed inappropriately at every chance, learned what he wanted to learn, fixed what he wanted to fix, and loved who he wanted to love. Cremation will take place at the family's convenience, and his ashes will be kept around as long as they match the decor. Oh my
1: gosh,
0: that's my favorite. That's the best. Oh, that's it, and you know what? More so of those good. to come in the
1: future. Because why the hell not? Oh my gosh, everyone! Now I'm inspired to honor my loved ones in the same way. I know,
0: absolutely. Just know if you ask me to write your obituary, there will be jokes. Oh yeah, yeah. People will know you were loved too, but there will be jokes. <laughs> So
1: now we follow with some funny funeral okay. stories. It only makes sense. So these are just short little um, things that people wrote in. There was a basically a collection of them composed of people writing in with their funny funeral stories. <laughs> and some of them made me chuckle quite a bit. So I'm going to start you off with this one. It says, it's, it's titled, Oh No, I Forgot Your Father. The story is, we went home after my dad's funeral, and at some point my mom exclaimed, oh no, I forgot your father. (laughs) No. My siblings and I figured she was having some sort of grief, confusion. Sure. uh, Mental break, but apparently she had actually left the urn with all of his ashes in the church. (laughs)
0: okay, 100% full disclosure, guys, I would do that on total accident because you're just not I used to carrying him father. around in an urn, yes. you know? So she literally had
1: forgotten their father. It's, instead
0: of being like, oh, I left the ashes at the funeral home, she's like, I forgot <laughs> your dad. Yes. They had to go
1: back and get dad. I thought that oh, was cute, gosh. though. Next one. I have a very short uncle. He went to kiss <laughs> his friend on the cheek. <laughs> Fell into the casket. No. (laughs) The lid closed on him and all you could (laughs) see was his legs dangling from the closed casket. I don't think he ever got over that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Please tell me it wasn't into the crotch of the deceased. Oh my! God. Or if it was a woman, the breasts—like where? Where did you He's land? Because like there's grabbing. Not, to yeah, get, yes. If you think about it, there's not much space. It is either crotch, stomach, breasts, or face. Those are the only ways that you're landing. Oh my gosh! I wish there was casket. more details, oh but just
1: picturing this short little man. I'm
0: sorry. I just had to motorboat grandma one more time. Oh Shit. my gosh! So
1: good. Okay, next one. At my grandpa's funeral, I was eight. My little brother ripped the loudest fart ever during the services. Out of everyone there, we were still the only two that laughed. I don't see how anyone. I don't see how no one, but us two, laughed. That was from take home dr- drunkum. Em. Drunkum. Em?
0: Even as an adult, he's trying to figure out why like no why? one laughed why? at a fart at a funeral. <laughs> yes.
1: This one, just it's like one sentence, and its it was just so funny to me. My friend's parents met at a funeral, submitted by Anonymous.
0: <laughs> cool. All right. What a story. Cool story, bro. What a meet cute. What a nice little love story. Right. So where'd y'all meet? Well, um, a mutual friend's funeral. That yeah, it was a funeral. Yeah. <laughs> That's like us on the podcast sometimes when we're like, yes, very sad. Anyway, anyway, moving you know, forward. It's like that meme. Like
1: Now, this is um, how I hope my funeral, something that would happen at mine. Um,
0: this, I mean, I'll make anything happen that you need.
1: Thank you. It says, a man with bagpipes walked in the door of the church. I don't know why, but it caught me off guard, and I started laughing out loud. <laughs> Uh, wrong room, bro. yeah I I really hope something random like that happens, right. where somebody just walks like, in. There's a a there, trumpet or like just something random.
0: Um, the jazz festival is next door. You've got the wrong rooms. Yes. <laughs> I was going with the trumpet, not the bagpipes. Yeah. That was probably for like a Highland dance competition. Yeah, but the, what or, a random thing to see! For You're sure. like in a
1: funeral, and somebody with bagpipes. And you know, and know how, bag,
0: <laughs> how bagpipes can make random noises? too? like, <laughs> like <laughs> what? If he, he walks
1: was, in and squeaks.
0: <laughs> yes, exactly. Like, Everyone grrr. turns. Oh, sorry, you can hear the pews creaking as everyone's turning. Yes, that
1: that noise would ever be. Yes. yes,
0: absolutely.
1: So this next one, my at my uncle's funeral a cell phone went off and my uncle's friend answered it. He didn't leave the room, had a conversation, yelled at a person for interrupting him at a funeral. Oh my god. My uncle would have laughed his ass off since he doesn't care for the formality of any ceremony. Oh. How awkward! For sure. Also, at a funeral. I love
0: that he is yelling at the dude for interrupting him at a funeral, but he's interrupting everyone at that funeral with that conversation. (laughs) also how is the caller supposed to know where the fuck you are
1: my uh funerals are so awkward anyway so these yeah. things like
0: i appreciate yeah. because it just takes yeah. the pressure off of something if it, man if i go first make sure it's not awkward
1: like i will i will do everything just, in my power it, yeah
0: like it can't be like we i'll can,
1: even bring the ba- bagpipes will you fart in. at my funeral please <laughs> consider it <done>. thank you <laughs>
0: like, do something all right. Bring Wha- the Humpty Dumpty statue from the other oh episodes. Um, at I least a repli- replica. I don't need real bronze. I will find him yeah. for, for set your it, funeral. Just set it right next to the casket and be like, she understands people. She would have
1: wanted it this That's way. Right.
0: <laughs> Dumpty Humpty is going to sit right here.
1: <laughs>
0: All right. One more.
1: One more. Okay. So this one says, when my grandmother died, the old woman who sang for her funeral had bright red lipstick on her singing was horrendous and she had a chunk of no.
0: lipstick
1: on her too no. my mom and aunts were laughing so hard but people assumed they were all crying we still <laughs> laugh about it to this day
0: I like oh, that one. No, a lipstick smear on the teeth—it's never good. I—I
1: I am one for just laughing at, the, like after so much stress or grief. Like I, yeah. some things will trigger me to laugh. I would have yep. so—I could see myself Most doing definitely. that.
0: Well, especially with the singing being horrific. Like, yeah, you're a mess. Yeah, please stop. <laughs> this is unnecessary.
1: Um, so th- one more. This one's cute. Uh, also, I could see us doing this. So this one says, My grandfather on his deathbed just two weeks ago arranged for his ashes to be presented to my grandmother contained in a box of cornflakes. Oh God
0: (laughs) I love him. That is such a cute That is really funny. I love it. Just he wanted to make her laugh one last time. It, like Aww. that is so
1: like a like yeah I'm gone but here's yes, a little laugh it, for it, yep, you exactly
0: and it it's gonna be okay <laughs> yes. see and that was really nice cornflakes I would have like had mine presented at a tampon box <laughs> just to watch Matt squirm oh, from the that heavens. would love that yes <laughs> I've always joked that if I was gonna hide money from from him it would be in a tam tampon box because he would never oh, go looking in there yes follow me for more life hacks guys <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. So the those best. are the, the funny funeral stories uh, I have for you. I just think we should start a whole podcast that's just funny stories. And that could really you know, be fun. That could yes. be our spinoff instead. Oh, Lord. All right. Well, we hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Um, we And... Uh, You know, I'm stumbling over my words because closing out is always so awkward and weird. It is. So thank you for being here as our top tier Patreons. You guys are for real what keeps us going.
1: For real, for real. Like for
0: real, for real. We can buy stuff for our research. We can pay for our podcasting equipment and platforms every month. So like... Thank you, thank you, thank you. You are what keeps us on the air, and we do have plans in the future to bring you more, more. of us yes, um, to you each month. So hang in there through our beginning stages. Um, also, let's share with them our news that we found out um, globally.
1: Like we, the whole
0: earth. The whole earth. Crime Curious podcast on the comedy charts is number 499, which when you consider all the hundreds of thousands of podcasts that are out there. the whole planet. The whole planet. For the U.S. under the comedy, we are 413.
1: That's not bad. Not bad. No, for
0: all of, because most of the podcasts do come out of the U.S. as well. So there's still a huge, I mean, again, thousands and thousands and thousands. And for true crime of the whole world, we are two fifty one, so so exciting. That is really big news. It is, and I don't know because there's just, so
1: many out there, and yeah, know. we didn't
0: think anyone would listen. No, so, we didn't. So we're pretty excited, but we don't, you know, right now we're not doing any sponsors, anything like that, besides you guys. So you, you are it, and we so appreciate You're the heart you, heart of Prime Curious, and we love you for that. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank and, you. Um and that's like no bullshit. That's a sincere thank you. Absolutely. And yeah, so we, you know, look forward to the future. We're, we're hoping to bring you more. But until then, keep it curious. Keep listening. We'll keep releasing. How's yes. that sound?
1: It sounds questionable. <laughs> You're right. But you know you know where we're You're going with this. Right. <laughs> you know what we meant by releasing keep releasing many things. Many,
0: many of the things. <laughs> God. Okay, we gotta stop recording. All right, bye, bye, Bye. everyone. Shit, we scared him away.